So today I do not have a bonus game ready to go because I've been working on a different project and I'm saying it on the episode so that I have to do it. <laughs> I have been writing, it's pretty much the lyrics are pretty much all written, a parody version of Taylor Swift's Willow to tag on to the end of this. And the next time Johnny and Hannah and I are together for an episode, which is a week from today, it will be it will be done. And so why don't we just drop in about Five seconds of that song right here as a tease. Burgle cut had to follow Willow to the Daikini Crossroads. Amazing. Hopefully we didn't just cut to me going, I didn't do it. <laughs> cool. Boy, and now uh, we can wait. go to the theme song here. Welcome to Authorized Crumbs, a cursory exercise in skimming media that in a normal episode we would devote <laughs> that in a normal episode we would devote hours upon hours to reading and watching. Crumbs are misguided attempts to package a very complicated film for the enjoyment of children while sacrificing barely any lore or plot developments. So consequently, they are packed and confusing, oscillating between sincere simplicity and crushing amounts of exposition that could explode a child's sweet, delicate brain. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of junior novelization tolerators. My name is Hannah Blackman. I'm Johnny Pomato. And I'm Andrew Overby. Willow is a 1995 fantasy adventure film directed by Ron Howard. It follows Willow, and this is killing me, by the way. I've seen this movie several times. I've read two novelizations. I can't get it through my dang head that Willow is the main character and not the baby. (laughs) It seems like it would be the baby. Movies are always named after the thing they are obsessed with. Well, as we all know, the baby's name is Alora Danan, which is awkward as a movie title. I remember as a kid when this movie came out, the poster, like, really, everything was about Mad Mardigan, so I thought he was Willow for the longest time. It'd be cute if he, if his name was Willow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Andrea would say 1988 movie, not a 1995 movie, <laughs> in case people are yelling at us. Oh, we've just done, like, a bunch of 1995, so I just said mm-hmm. it. I didn't write an intro this time. I'm really just winging it. Here's Here goes the next part. It follows the fucking main character of this movie. His name's Willow. Uh, as he's a, he's a, a, a smaller guy, he's part of a race that's kind of small, and he finds a baby that belongs to, you know, a race that's quite large. But and the it turns baby out that is the, even smaller. Yes, the baby's even smaller, but they're freaked out by its size. Yeah, yeah, as, as one so, would be. Kind of a jumbo shrimp situation. <laughs> uh, anyway, they find out that the baby is, uh... The key to destroying an evil witch who gets, like, no coverage in this novelization. We'll get to it. Just, they're they're just like, there's an evil witch, and trust us. She's pretty, I mean, you can see her on the cover. The least flattering illustration of a woman I've ever seen. (laughs) 
All of these illustrations on the front of the cover of this book are like heinously uncute. It's really bad. Uh, Joanne Wally looks okay. I don't know. I think my crush is intact. But did she have dreads in the movie? Yeah, that is, no, the hair she is She looks off. terrible. She looks like not cute at all. It's all about Val the comes out okay. Little Willow turns out fine. He's okay. Not cu- super cute though. Could be cuter. Yeah. Should the, be cuter. The thing about Sorsha is that, I mean, uh, portrayed by a, a very attractive, uh, you know, performer. And I don't mean this in like a pejorative way, but like in Willow, she's wearing makeup because it's a movie. This like straight up looks like a photo of her like out of makeup and she has dreadlocks. It's confusing. (laughs) Yeah, she still does it for me. (laughs) This novelization of Willow was written by Joan D. Vinge. Oh, based Joan D. Vinge, the queen, also (laughs) an available tier on our Patreon via Joan D. Vinge to us. Uh, it, it was based on a story by George Lucas and a screenplay by Bob Dolman. Uh, and I almost kept reading, but the last thing says adaptation by Joan D. Vinge. We basically revisited this because of the Vinge of it all. Mm. I mean, obviously, there's the new Willow series coming out. So that plays a part. But Hannah and I were so bowled over by Cowboys and Aliens. It was like, Willow's this amazing book. She's the best novelizationist of all time. <laughs> what would that marriage be like? And Hannah, what what do you think it was like? I do want to say I think this is probably the best junior novelization we have ever read. And I have to give that to Joan. I mean, it <laughs> is still a junior novelization with all the faults that comes with the territory, which like as you say in the opening is that it's very dense for a child and somehow way too light on other elements. Um Yeah. But I do think it has a few really elegant turns of phrase, some really nice moments. It's well written, I think, for children. It's more elevated than most of the children's books we've read. I give it credit. I will agree that this is a serviceable uh, junior novelization. It actually tells pretty much the complete story with like very tiny omissions. Uh, it probably could have stood to have more omissions it because... I do feel that... One billion percent. Well, yeah, because it it does feel very rushed. And up until the end, when we finally sort of get this, like, real sense of the action described, I feel like the whole novel is very dialogue-driven. Like, it's Mm. just like they will say things to each other and you will garner the plot that way. Uh, There's very little sense of the, 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 the place and setting of things. Which is what we loved so much about the adult novelization of Willow. Like, uh, this is why this was so disappointing to me, was because I would say Willow, uh, the the novelization, was one of the high watermarks of this podcast that we've uh, read so far. Definitely. Yeah, it, it actually, I think we came away saying, this works better as a novel than it does as a movie. And this feels more like a... You know, it, it, it's just the movie, but it, it in its barest, you know, form. I don't think you've read enough junior novelizations to know what barest form really looks like. <laughs> no, well, no, 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 no. And I will concede that it is still better than, say, like Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 and some of these other ones <laughs> that we have done. Um, but it, uh, I, I guess just in comparing it to the other novelization we read, it's it's a little disappointing. Uh, in, mm. in fact, I... I uh, I don't, it, like, it just sort of disheartened me to, like, the 
good love that I had for Willow before. Uh, and then most of all, the reason this book sucks, uh, no pictures? Nope. I mean, I agree. No pictures. Eight, no, no. Eight pages of pictures. Come on. Come on. Uh, you know, and Willow, you know, it, it needs like a map page too. you. You want to see like, oh, this is where they go. And oh, this is where the brownies live. There, there's like none of that. It's just, that would be it's just words. I want to say there's a couple points that I think this book does slightly better than the other book and the movie. Oh, interesting. One, okay. it makes very clear that the brownies are in fact little human beings. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's explicit in this book. So I didn't have to be confused, which is great. Um, and I think the romance between Mad Mardigan and Sorsha, like, tracks in a way it does not in the other two versions of this at all. Like, I feel their chemistry in this book. It feels a little bit less like they start from a place of, like, whoopsies magic. They just have, like, some chemistry. And this book really feels like they have just crazy sexual chemistry and they're going to fuck immediately, <laughs> which is crazy for a kid's book. But. That's the vibe I got, and it worked for me better than it does in the full novelization and the movie. That's that's interesting because I did note, I, and I I will agree. I think they get there with Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. Uh, you you do feel that like Val and Joanne energy that had to have been <laughs> on set. But I did think early on that like one of the, uh, there's the. There's the first scene, uh, or it's not the first scene they meet, but when uh, Mad Mardigan is kind of faking, uh, like he is, he is, he is trying to trick her by praising her romantically, and I don't know if that comes across in the book so well that this is not that this is sort of an act that this is something that he like so it it just sort of mm-hmm. feels like oh this is the beginning of their great love affair whereas in the movie thanks to Val's hilarious performance you can really feel like oh no he's he's putting on airs and then their relationship develops later on but yeah it uh i i wonder if it sort of feels like their courtship lasts longer because they don't have some of the cynicism that is played in the film right mm-hmm. i think that in the movie and i may be misremembering but i believe in the movie like the first time he's in her tent and it's like ah. Uh, we go from being like, that's my full-time adversary to someone who I might like. He's under like a spell. And he, right? Yes. In, the bu- in this mm-hmm. book, he is not under a spell. He's just kind of like maybe joshing her or doing that thing where he's like, I think you're beautiful. Just kidding, bitch. I have no, you know, <laughs> like one of those like neggy You're things. fucking up the, the funny looking line. I think you're beautiful. Beautiful looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I kind of appreciate taking the magic out of that like first interaction so that it isn't quite so like mercenary that they then fall in love. Starting they start from a slightly more genuine place, you know what I mean? Yeah. My main confusion with this book is so, you know, a, a few months back somebody tweets at Pax Holly of this book and they're like, "What's with this other novelization of Willow?" And he goes, "It's a junior novelization," which I think now having read it we can agree. But it's still such a confusing industry because it's a junior novelization. It's 120 pages, which is pretty standard for a junior, but it's 120 fairly dense pages just talking about text, not like speaking of themes or whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like something a child would be like really thrilled to be digging into. Uh, Also, they say jackass in the book. You know, maybe in 1988, which is when my copy is copyrighted, they just had a little more faith in kids and were willing to give them slightly more complex books that had one curse word in it. 
I, I think that's true. I, I kind of remember that we weren't uh, <laughs> treated with such kid gloves back then. Uh, I would say way worse than jackass, which, you know, is a is a, uh, a euphemism for a donkey you might find in a Pinocchio adaptation even. But um, page 51, I think, uh, uh, was when... Uh, Lug trailed Mad Mardigan around the room. Oh, this is when Mad Mardigan is dressed as a woman and says, Wanna breed? Which I thought was the the least elegant way that you could have a romantic come on in a children's book. But I, I don't I don't recall if that line is even in the film. It it must be though. It must be. It's so specific. And it gross. Yeah, that that one really stood out to me. It's like, ooh, this is this for kids. So, I was pretty not enjoying the book for a, a number of reasons. I mean, yes, as far as children's novelizations go, Joan is doing more with the text than someone else might. And Johnny, it's worth saying, and we touched on it before, but our original idea for what would happen between an authorized season is that we would read a bunch of these junior novelizations, and Hannah and I ingested some of the most offensive upsetting dreck <laughs> and by offensive i just mean like you, you know it, it, the, junior novelizations you, you imagine there's going to be some friction you like go back and read a book meant for a child and you're a 32 year old man the shocking thing i found in our in our season of like eight or ten junior novelizations was that the laziness the just absolute fucking indolence of of these writers sometimes was <laughs> that they would create sentences create paragraphs that not only were simple enough for a child to read they like did not convey the facts of the situation or did not convey the reality that was occurring and i have to agree with hannah by the standard of some of the like cheetah girls books we've read <laughs> or i mean what's the worst Those of the worst painful. hannah what's the worst junior we read um i think actually the jurassic park junior is really bad because it has the nothing to one. offer the first one uh I the think... first one's like some people went to an island and it was quite scary <laughs> yeah but without the word quite like it has no it has nothing it's just like <laughs> yeah, no scary, adjectives nothing yeah. i think that one's really terrible i think rugrats was really quite bad I, don't, I mean, they're n none of them are, like, great art. I guess you have to consider that, I mean, why would an author put that much effort into this? Because who is his audience? Ch children. It's not like they're going to run up to mommy and say, mommy, mommy, I, you know, th th there's a run-on sentence and a lot of the uh, uh, character development is really lacking. You, you know, it's like very few adults are going to be, you know, reading these and critiquing them and... Uh, and, and such. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little surprised that, you know, some author hasn't been so bold as to, like, have a paragraph where it says, hey, kid, reading this right now, go to mommy's wallet and get some of that green paper <laughs> in there and send it to this address. You know, I, I don't know. Some kids are probably dumb enough to make that work. Like, I really think that Joan is doing the work here in ways that very few other junior novelizationists are. Like, there's just like, here's some examples from the first 10 pages, okay? The opening line of the novel, vultures wheeled above the bleak mountainside. They were hungry as they always were, which I think is an evocative stage setting, okay? Right. Yeah, right, pretty good. But even they avoided Nakmar Castle, right? Now you know Nakmar is a scary place. No one visits by choice. Got it, check, cool. Moving forward to page seven, where... Willow finds the baby. Um, 
and then Burgle Cut shows up. He hissed, it's the prefect. That's all I need. Keep quiet. Don't touch it. He repeated the age-old useless parental warning as he rushed back up the hill to answer the summons. That's funny. That's a joke. That's a good funny joke. Next, page nine. Kaya, Willow gasped. Absolutely under no condition is anyone in this family going to fall in love with that baby. The baby laughed and everyone fell in love, which is funny. Like, she is doing wordplay and jokes and rhythmic timing in a way that is, like, advanced (laughs) for these types of books. And that's the first two chapters. That's ten pages with three things. I was like, that's really good. And I'm not sure the whole book is, like, chock full of those things, but it has enough of them that I was like, this is readable in a way that most of these junior novelizations barely are. Yeah, I think it dips in the middle quite substantially. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then again, so does the movie. I think the movie has a real lull in the middle. So I I don't know who I should blame here. But yes, I agree. It starts out strong. It does paint this picture of the uh, the Willow Dwarf Village and everything and and characters. Uh, And then I do think it finishes pretty strong while with having some action and it, it gets you know, quite a bit better then. And uh, I, I also have to credit her for like, oh, the whole story is pretty much in this because at a certain point I said, I have 18 pages left. And I think at this point of the movie, there's like 40 minutes left. How is she, is this thing going to like, you know, cut to black a lot sooner than it does in the movie? <laughs> is he going to throw the acorn at her and it's actually going to work or, or what? But no, it's it's all in there. It's, it's, uh, it's condensed, but it's there. It's the yeah. movie. I think even that fish boy who got cut out of the movie is in this book. Yes, and the, uh, the, the frozen father. king is in this yeah. book. Yeah. I was amazed by that. It's it's really cool. For the listeners who don't who don't listen to our Willow episode all the time. It <laughs> in the the Wayland Drew book, which is great, uh, there's this whole plot line about how Sorcia's father was like frozen in quartz or something and he's in this beautiful kingdom. And they go and find him. And she's like, oh, a frozen pops. All the things I heard must be true. And it's like, yeah. And then that's sort of like the inciting incident, which we were like, oh, interesting. Did Waylon Drew make this up? He didn't because Joan Vinge put it in her book too. Although, and I wish I had the page just ready to go. Mm-hmm. But when it shows up in her book, it is just like, Sorcia walked into the beautiful plain. There was a man frozen in uh, ice. He, she realized that it must be her dad because he looked nice. Uh, <laughs> she decided that that meant her mom was evil. She said, we're going back. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah, not the, as good. I'm going to grant you that. The deleted scenes are on the Blu-ray and they, you know, there's not much to build off of them. Like, there, there's a reason they were cut. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I want to get at. Thank you, Johnny. No thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Which is the... The, the issue I have is not the way Joan is handling that. It's the fact that she handled it. And who knows? Maybe she was made to contractually or something, or they said, you have to put this in the book. But Waylon Drew is, gets all this leeway to be like, I'm going to, everything's going to be big and sweeping, and I'll have just chapters upon chapters about s- small characters no one even thinks about. So it's great that he puts in the Frozen and Quartz thing. In this one, it's like, cut it. Just cut <laughs> it. It is really confusing. Yeah, if you just don't do it at all. Yeah, I wonder if she wasn't allowed to. Could have been a tight 100 pages. With pictures. Eight pages of pictures, I say. I mean, the pictures, I, there we need them so bad. Shiny, high-gloss pictures in this. Yeah, you gotta flip over to Joanne and Val, right? I mean, you know, the full-length a... novel had pages of pictures of hotties. Yeah. And like, I... I was thinking the other day, it is funny that, given the premise of this podcast, we spend like half of our time reading books that are older than us 
Like the actual copy we have is like older than us. Yeah. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll try to get inside your heads on that one. Yeah. There were novelizations in the forties, right? Uh, yeah. 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 I. Uh, I, I uh, <laughs> Just recently, I, had, uh, I saw a picture of that like King Kong nineteen thirty three novelization reissued in the seventies. So yeah. I'm not gonna go out of my way to do a Johnny, you're old joke, but if he's gonna be like, I'm old, I'll pile on. Yeah, uh, I, I guess uh, I, I, the oldest I've read is is the ET books, maybe. Yeah, that that was like '82. We'll get you so. on an older one. Yeah, yeah. Wait till I make you read The Cat from Outer Space. Oh, gladly. I used to love that movie. It's a very charming movie. Yeah. Hannah, the thing you said on a recent episode, which these come out way out of order, but the thing you said about how it would be terrible to do a novelization of something from the 1960s no one's ever heard of and that (laughs) nothing really happens. Like, I I have the novelization of that Michael Caine movie where he's at war and, like, 20 minutes of the movie is just them, like, dragging, trying to drag a tank up a cliff and they keep (laughs) being like, it's hard. Um, And after you said that, I was like, it it could be kind of fun to just to just watch something that's completely nothing. It doesn't even have people going. It's actually good. I have expressed major interest in covering some (laughs) novelizations from the 60s and earlier of movies that don't exist anymore. I think that would be fun for me. It's on my shelf. It's called Play Dirty. Have either of you seen this film? That's not the kind of title I would have expected, given what you described it as. Well, yes, and Michael Caine did so many war movies, and I thought I had seen quite a few of them. What's the one where he's like a prisoner of war and he has to play soccer? Oh, that's Zulu. We We gotta find if that one has a book. No, wait, that's Victory. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I was taking your word for it, Johnny. Yes, no, no. I, I, oh, gosh, our <laughs> listeners were, were quite displeased with me for four seconds. <laughs> right after they run into the odd boy, who they call an odd boy a bunch. The fish boy? I'm a, I want to give an example of something I, yeah, something okay. I dislike from the book and something I really like from the book. Right after they run into it, it says, uh, how do we pronounce this? Frangine? Yeah, sure. Frangine elbowed rule aside. We just met all these characters on like this page. That can't be true. Because Frangine and Rule are the brownies. They've been there really, the whole really time. Recently. Mm-hmm. That was just an odd boy. Pay him no mind. Finn Rizale is a most powerful sor- sorceress. You must take the wand to her. She will save us, Rule agreed. Uh, then later on this same page, uh, they're telling, let's see, Willow got them back into the water as quickly as he could. Uh, the wall, the waves tossed the small boat like a cork as the storm grew worse. Wow, I'm doing a really bad job with this passage. There's just base. There's like a three-page spread in this or a stretch in this book where they just introduce so many new proper nouns, and it feels completely unwieldy. I mean, this is a failing of the movie. Is that like in about five minutes, like Finn Raziel, wherever she is now, Tirasleen, Cherlandria is like brought back up in a way that like I forgot her name. There's like a bunch of stuff of that happening. Um, but I hear you. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And Johnny, you mentioned E.T. just talking about books being old. I, I think it's worth talking about E.T. and Batman and Robin here. The the two previous passes we've taken at uh, reading another novelization, you know, of one we've already done. Oh, yes. And in both cases, one of them was a junior. One of them was uh for the adults and 
I think, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the language, Hannah, that the that some of the prose is really nice. And I, I actually do have a passage from late in the book that I think is really beautiful. But to me, this book adds the least, like, ideas of mm. any of these three juniors we've read that have also had regular novelization counterparts. I mean, that E.T. one had, like, invented bits of dialogue it was like you know it, it had this like really weird sardonic sense of humor uh and then the batman and robin one was like written by a comic book guy who made it feel like a comic book this one it's really hard for it to not feel like diet drew it is i i think one of the reasons we do this podcast and read novelizations is because it is fun to spot those little flourishes of the artistic license. And it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, add a new character here, or add a scene that, like, you know, could be in the movie but isn't. And I don't think there's any of that here. Th this really is pretty straightforward because, you know, the movie is needlessly dense and lo over long. So you can't even have everything from the movie. You certainly are not going to add stuff that you, you don't need at all or that's not already there. A lot of what's bad about this book is I think Johnny you basically said this is what it's what's bad about the movie yeah which is like and I don't mean that just plot wise I mean there's sort of an inherent contradiction in this book right in this film which is it's styled like it should appeal to kids like very very fairy tale-ish and and Willow's so like fun and funny and whatnot and then you watch it and you're like, this is like got the lore of a of a fucking Lord of the Rings. And you read the book, the Wayland Drew book, the, the reason it works so well, I think we said, is because it feels like a fantasy story that was written first, that was written like with passion. That was exactly, like, I want to yeah. create a world and it has has all these layers. It is weird to advertise a movie with such like a cutesy aesthetic and then have it be this layered and it's similarly strange to then try to market it to kids with a with a novelization i think they share a lot of the same the same central tensions does that make sense yeah i think that's what we said about that novelization was that this feels like the movie is based on this instead of the other way around uh right and it, like there was a richness to the uh the prose that wasn't that, that's not on display in the movie because you know they ran out of money or something uh but you know th this is you know uh, a, a more watered down version of the movie which you know we we you know i loved as a kid I, i'm still not sure why but uh yeah we don't <laughs> like all that much now yeah i i think it, it's not only that it feels like it was written first it this text really made me appreciate that the drew book feels like it steps into the sort of like adult geekiness that the film maybe should have had from the start it feels mm. like a property that could have benefited from like just being like i i'm ex i'm interested in creating a fantasy world and having there be you know romance and killing and whatnot and it doesn't have to appeal to kids because that's that that ultimately is what that first novelization sort of felt like it's like telling the same story but assuming you have this level of intelligence that a child would not have so why do we... No, I mean, this is a serious question. I, I'm not being, like, extra cheeky. Um, sure. Other than, like, sometimes it's nice to read something for 120 pages instead of 250 pages. What is it that we have gotten out of the junior novelizations? And, and do we think that these always warrant 
full episodes as opposed to just <laughs> an addendum at the end of the Willow episodes. Like, oh, and we also read the junior novelization. Uh, it's basically the same story. I'm not reading two books for one episode. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. Although if we, we allowed ourselves more time or something. <laughs> we did uh, let John Goodman read that other Indiana Jones. That's true. I, I think... Johnny, well, first of all, yes, of course, it's not a full episode. You're in a crumb right now. Oh, I, I, I know we're in a moment. crumb. Yes. <laughs> um, 25 minute but, episode. <laughs> uh, for the most part, I think the answer to that is just that we have abandoned them. And the, you know, we, we tried that experiment where we were basically just reading junior novelizations of whatever the fuck. And it turned out mostly they were bad and some of them were okay. And now we've returned to them a little bit, but. It's with another agenda in mind. So we like just recorded an episode about a, a bunch of high school musical books, which is obviously geared towards children, but it's because we like really care about that property and some of them are tertiaries, right? So they have like new stories. Yeah. Same thing with the clueless bonuses, which for the listener won't be out for ages. I think it is unfair to categorize the high school musical books and the clueless books as junior novelizations, though. Like they are for young adults. Well, they're not novelizations. Like, they're not for kids, though, in the way that, like, this is geared towards, like, an 8 to 10-year-old, and the high school musical books and the Clueless books are geared for, like, a 12 to 15-year-old. Like, it's a different audience. So true. I mean, that makes a, a real difference in readability if you're 32 and tired. Like, it's a <laughs> huge difference. But just, just to go to bad for Joan, though, I mean, almost at the end of the book... Slowly, they climbed the dark stairs that corkscrewed upward to Bavmorda's tower. Light throbbed behind the door at the top. The sense of the terrifying, uncontrollable power gathering there grew stronger inside Willow with every step he took. A blood-curdling shriek echoed down the stairwell. The heavy door shuddered and banged as if something monstrous was trying to beat its way out. Willow fell to his knees on the stairs, paralyzed with fear. I can't go on, he whispered. That's good. Not bad. No. Could exist in a better book. Yeah. Could have like that could have fit mm. in in like a book that was like, you know, another Joan Vinge book. Yeah, I, I think the last like five chapters of this is like okay, th yeah, this is finally clicking um a, a, a bit better um, but uh, yeah, and and I agree, Andrew, that I do think that the junior novelization is sort of a lost art, and as a kid, I really enjoyed them, particularly if it was like a based on a sort of scary movie or something. It was like a good gateway to like, okay, I want to know what happens, but I'm a little afraid of all the you know, colored lights and sounds. And so I, I, I but I can safely read this book. Um, and yeah, for comparison's sake, I think sometimes these really pay off. Uh, it, it was comically absurd to read the Jurassic Park one. Whereas I thought that the <laughs> E.T. one, uh, the both the junior and the, uh, the not adult, but uh, uh, children of all ages one. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's true. Yeah, I, I, he does, uh, you know, walk in on a... a uh, her in the shower, right, or something like that. Uh, yeah, where the yeah. where the willow willow creature, where mm. the willow creature dances. That's what he he called her, the willow yes, creature. That's so right. gross. I hate that. <laughs> Should I write Dang. a parody of Willow but, that's about the mom from ET? Oh god. No. It, yeah, I just don't want another book of Willow like being a uh, a, a botanist. Uh, some you know, mm. oh, and he had to go back to his farm and finally plant his crops, and then he does so for two hundred and forty pages. 
but yeah, uh, I, I think that uh, the, the, the E.T. one paid off very well. And, you know, if this is the only one I read, I, I would get something out of it. But yeah, I do think that it suffers in comparison to the other book. Even though, yeah, not bad for its genre, uh, certainly. But maybe mm-hmm. I was just mad that I was reading the all the character names in Willow again. It's like, oh, I was trying to remember, like, Kale and Shorsha and... Uh, uh, Eric, let's not forget uh, uh, yes, my beloved uh, Eric. <laughs> Eric is like not in the book, basically. You know, he's not in the book very much, but when he shows up, he has good moments. Yeah, like, he does. There's a there's a couple good points where he's like, Med Mardigan, what are you doing? You're a mess. And like his presence helps solidify Willow and Mad Mardigan's little friendship. There's like a nice little moment. Can I find it? I have it bookmarked. Here it is. Oh, I have a question about the just the world of Willow. Yeah. Mad Mardigan, he was part of some army? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a great warrior. For whom does that army fight? Whoever Eric fights for, which I guess yeah. is technically Tira's lean, but they've been sort of like wander or like that, that other place that got burned down. I think wherever that like third kingdom that got burned down by mm-hmm. Mad Morda that Eric is from, I think that's also where Mad Mardigan is from. And because Memardigan is like a scoundrel, they kicked him out of the army, and he's been like wandering the countryside ever since, getting in trouble. But it's not Bev Morda's army. No. No. Great. Uh, Eric did have a couple good lines. I can't remember all of them, but uh, one I thought that I didn't remember from the movie is when he's dying, and he says to Mad Mardigan, don't ever walk on my grave, is yes, that what he says? Yes, yes. Like, that's so pretty good. good. Because it's like, a callback. Yeah, and I thought, is, is really... that in the movie? I think that's almost too good to be in the movie. Yeah, um, that stuff's really good. His yeah. death scene is very good in this book, in my opinion. It's quite moving. Um, when Mad Mardigan puts on the armor, there's a little moment where Willow's like, wow, I can almost believe that he's like a great warrior. Wow, I see it now in a way that I couldn't before, which I think is a nice little written touch. I'm here to defend this little book. I won't let us stomp on it. You know, you're winning me over, Hannah, because yes, I I guess I'm remembering more things I liked about than I, I, than than maybe I thought. I mean, it is a junior novelization. It is imperfect, and it's not as thrilling as the full-length Wayland Drew. I agree with you there. If I had to pick one version, I would not pick this one. But I really want to stand up for it as a junior novelization. It is so above the level, in my opinion. Completely fair and accurate. Oh, one other thing that is all over this book that I don't remember from the movie. Mm-hmm. Mad Mardigan's constantly calling the baby Sticks. Is that Yeah, what's movie? that about? I don't know. Well, yeah. I, and I'm like, what did I miss in my skimming that, like, why is she Sticks? That, that seems like a weird nickname, but yeah, it's a, a baby gets referred to as Sticks more than she does uh, Inara. Uh, but, yeah, I like I that he gives her, this is like a very soft book on Mad Mardigan, and I must assume that Joan was like, I love Val Kilmer. He's a nice guy. He's cute. Yeah. He's softy. And like wrote some of that in, like, he's very sweet with the baby, actually. Um, he's very worried about the baby in his own sort of standoffish way. There's a part where they've been taken prisoner and like Willow can't keep up and Mad Mardigan like picks him up and carries him while they're being like dragged behind a cart or something, which is I think not in the movie and is very sweet. He's like little sprinkles of, of kindness throughout the story so that when he is a hero, you're like, fuck yeah, of course he is. He's a nice guy. Yes, they definitely don't make Mad Mardigan quite as much of a bastard early on. Like, once he's out of the cage, it's like, eh, okay, he's, he's not that bad a guy. Uh, am I crazy, or did they make up in this book that the reason Willow turns back is because the baby got snatched up by a fucking hawk? 
Well, it definitely did get snatched up by a bird. Well, or something. yeah, but the, the brownies are riding the bird, right? And isn't that in the yeah. movie where they say, I stole yeah. the baby, ha 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 ha. Um, yes, but again, it's also, uh, uh, you know, not not as uh, uh, vividly painted. But that, that's fine. You know, the less tiny Kevin Pollock, the better, in, in, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like the more of him, the better. That's like the same statement. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's a double negative. I don't like the brownies very much. <laughs> no. They're not my favorite part of the world of Willow. <laughs> They're less annoying in this book than they are in the other one because there's so much less of them. They, mm-hmm. they, yes. you, you you can frequently forget that the brownies are even there. So that that's a plus. I agree. I think it, I want to be clear. I'll, I'll wrap up in a second, but I, I want to be clear that this my issues with this book are not that it's written badly. Joan and I are going to get married. <laughs> And, and it's going to be a beautiful lifetime together. And I think this book really shows that she has the chops. I mean, this is the person who wrote Cowboys and Aliens. She's like sneaking cool little phrases, cool little observations in all over the place, which is great. It, my issue is just how middle of the road it is. You just where... wanted it to be like the best book you've ever read again, which I no, totally no, sympathize no. with. No, I, br- I bristle at that. I'm bristling. <laughs> I feel that the book shouldn't be a junior novel that is this that is is this overwrought. I feel like it's like too much of both at mm. once. It's like a little too dense to appeal to anyone because it's not good enough for an adult to be like I'm so glad I read the novelization of Willow by Joan Vinge, but it's also like so heavy for a child and and like I said it most of that heaviness is like a bunch of specifics that don't pay off. Because you learn on a certain page, oh, this is what a brownie is. And these are these are the names of the specific brownies. And then towards the end of the description, you're like, what are these, mice? I don't get it. Towards the end of the description, they're like, and of course, they were humans who were no bigger than six inches tall. And you're like, interesting, wow. And they really don't come back, as Johnny says. I, I, I just think the way in which this book is is bulked up isn't satisfying to a child or adult. I, I completely agree, Andrew, because I, being old enough to remember the marketing for the movie, it really was aimed in two directions. There was the, hey, grown-ups, look, there's a, it's a badass fantasy movie. Look, this guy has a skull for a helmet. Oh, and like, look how hot Joanne Wally and Val Kilmer are. They were totally fucking in their trailer between scenes. Um, <laughs> and then for kids, you know, which I was at the time, it was a very different marketing campaign, which was like, hey, look, it's a little, it's it's Willow, and he loves to do magic tricks. Look, he has the little rings, and they connect, and then, oh, he tries to make a pig disappear, but oh, no, he can't do that, because he's only Willow. And this doesn't have that tone ever, really. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't say like, hey, kids, you want to hear about a fun, exciting adventure? The thing is that the adventure of Willow is not fun. No, it's like this not. is a problem it, uh... that the, the movie is also between two tones. These are all the same problem. The movie is like muddy and dark, and everyone's dirty and sweaty the entire time. It's not like whimsical. There's like yeah. five minutes of whimsy, and then they leave the Nelwyn village, and it's like gross for another yeah. hour and a half. Everything's muddy. It's tough. And, I wish yeah. Willow was like a little more whimsical. I think that would be a world I'd want to spend more time in. But 
I also don't want to spend any more time with Willow, like like ever. Right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I mean, uh, I don't want to spend any more time with the this the canonical Willow yeah. right now. No, I will no watch books. the Disney Plus show probably. Like I I like what? Willow the man, and I want to see what he's up to. I will wait for your summary of the show before I. <laughs> yeah, take I was gonna say floor. I'm sure. only watching that show if I hear it's really good. Yeah, it's. Eight episodes long. It's like, well, that's fine. But I've never watched the movie Willow and thought, gee, I wish this were six hours longer. Well, yeah, we'll all see about that, won't we? We'll see how it turns out. I, I don't know. What, one last question here. What, was was Willow using magic so much in the movie? No. Uh, He's using magic a bunch in the book, and he keeps being like, am I a sorcerer? I'm very doubtful and self-conscious. And I'm like, you're a sorcerer, bro. Yeah, you you're right. using magic. That becomes a much bigger arc in the book than it is in the movie, to the point that when he gets back to the village at the end on the last page, uh, you know, the old sorceress, Billy Barty, is there, and he's like, well, Willow, how was your journey? And Willow throws him a rock that turns into a bird, because now Willow is the great sorcerer. And it's like, how did this happen? Like, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't think that he, you know, just doing this journey just, like, made all the magic click inside of his little brittle bones but yeah i'm okay with my man using magic the weird thing is that he keeps using it and being like i'm afraid i'll never get to use it or i get or that i can't do it i'm like what are you talking about he has an imposter syndrome happens to the (laughs) best of us yeah yeah but when i have imposter syndrome when i'm like at a job that i can't believe i got the job (laughs) i'm not sitting at the job being like will i ever get in the room like he he's he he's like ignoring the reality of the situation, which is that he is using magic. He's just a little guy, and to be fair, most of his <laughs> magic does not go perfectly. Yeah, fair or well, you know. I think even like, in the movie, the the old sorcerer in the village, like the secret is, oh, he's not that good of a magician either. It's like he he's he's fine for like right. you know festivals. The bones and stuff tell like me that. nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about believing in yourself, Johnny Pomato. <laughs> in the format of the authorized crumb, you are only allowed to say whether you hard or soft recommend or do not recommend a property. Would you hard or soft recommend or do not recommend Willow by Joan D. Vinge? Okay, I, I will concede that I, I think you've been very persuasive. And uh, yes, this is an above average junior novelization, even if it doesn't maybe skewer as junior as it should uh i would give it a the softest of recommendations but i did decide like well rather than take this to the strand or uh just you know leave it on a street corner maybe i should give (laughs) this to my seven-year-old nephew and see if he likes it and so that will be the real test is if like this kid who is just like starting to read books of this length if he is interested in it at all or if he just is like what? No Transformers? Which is please <laughs> like with most things. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I will say a soft recommend, but if this kid comes back to me and says it was uh, he couldn't get through it, then, yep, it goes right in the trash. God, I wish that we had, like, an eight-year-old. Like, one of us had an eight-year-old in our lives that we could bring on to an episode like this and say, like, what'd you think, buddy? Well, maybe over the holidays I can sit him down mm. at the laptop and he can, he can <laughs> guest on an episode. Because, like, that's the real perspective that we need. <laughs> I think we should continue this vaguely insulting assignment where we're like, John Goodman, read the kids' books and tell us how they work. <laughs> He's such a good sport. He's going He's back to do it soon. <laughs> for, for what? 
Transformers. Oh, God bless. I wish I got to read the junior for Transformers. Yeah, my nephew would totally be on that episode. <laughs> I told him you have to watch the movie because, like, it is like a 40-page book. Well, then I'm out because <laughs> so, I'm not watching that movie ever. I have so many 400-page books to read in the next, like, three weeks. I have no oh, idea yeah. how I'm going to do it. No, it's going to be great. Don't worry about it. Um, also, Transformers, we're doing another episode on that day. So whatever. <laughs> I just like don't know cool. how I'm going to... I just need to like take four days off of work and read for 12 hours straight. Hannah Blackman. Yeah. Hard or soft, recommend or do not recommend Willow by Joan Debaum Vinge. I haven't looked up her middle name. I assume it's Debaum. Uh, soft, do not recommend. I agree with you guys that it's not as good as the full length. It's probably not as much fun to spend time with as the movie, even. Like, this is the bottom of the willow barrel, but it is infinitely better than most junior novelizations. So I couldn't say there's no place for it on a bookshelf. And if somebody picked it off my bookshelf and was like, should I read this? I'd be like, sure, yeah, why not? It's almost definitely not the case, but it may be the last time we ever cover a junior novelization that's not true you know that's not true <laughs> yeah outright i i just mean like because <laughs> like it seems like we're gonna do more tertiaries meant for kids and young adults but like we might not again be like let's check out that junior of blah 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 except for john goodman reading transformers <laughs> i just think there's no way like someday we will come across something we're like well let's see <laughs> you know I feel like that's very possible. Mm. Mm, Andrew, hard soft recommend. Mm. Do not recommend. I mean, I think I know this what you're going to say. You know what? This is actually a soft recommend, but by that I mean you have to have a soft little fontanelle on the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a literal baby. This is not for the heart of cranium. <laughs> To our listeners, please remember to rate our podcast, review to it, review to it, uh, subscribe at it. Um, <laughs> and also we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash authorized pod with several membership levels. Check that out if you've got deep pockets. And as usual, I'm going to conclude our crumb by giving you another little crumb to lead you to the next, you guessed it, crumb. Eric noted a slight sadness creeping onto the scientist's face. He could easily guess why. Alan hadn't been a part of this groundbreaking discovery. Alan had said countless times that true paleontology is done in the rock. But now he had no time for the digs that had once been his entire life. Good night. On a bookshelf there's another version of 
A novelization that we all hold high above And why'd I have to go and tempt fate That Waylon Drew Willow was more than great I can't believe I thought this would be fun Burgle cut had to follow Willow to the Daikini crossroads They're begging for Val to take the child It's so wild, this book's mild Another Willow and it's written by Joan Vinge Please tell me more about cowboys and aliens And if she'd had a little more time Maybe then the stars could align I can't believe I thought this would be fun The more characters introduced, the more I'm stumped This is a fucking crazy exposition dump I'm begging for Joan to use an adverb Just one word, one good word And yeah, I know it's for kids Can they really understand all this? Tiraz, Lean, Chalandria I'm saying what? I'm saying huh? Another Willow and it's written by Joan Vinge Can an old lady and a podcast host be best friends? Another Willow and it's written by Joan Vinge Will she come back strong with 47 Ronin? She skips all the action and it is killing me my boy Eric is barely in this thing And where'd the fucking dragon go? We only got that one monster from the moat I can't believe I thought this would be fun The more scenes they skip, the more I'm lost Where did Vel get that stupid armor from? I'm begging for one internal thought Any thought just one thought and which character's name is willow is it the baby or the main character guy i ran out of lyrics about a verse ago and that's just how it's gonna go